Hey, welcome to Transistor Radio. It's Doug and Dylan, and we're going to have a trip chat about semiconductors again. So um, this week, I think we're going to talk about inventory. Uh, you want to go first, Dylan, and we can just start chatting from there. Sure. Yeah. So um, the semiconductor cycle, right? We're, we're in the, the pits of it, right? The very bottom, if you will. Right. And businesses slowed down as much as possible. You know, the holiday season happened um, and, you know, it was it was pretty weak for some, you know, quite a few companies. But, you know, the January and February are always the slowest months for tech sales. So inventories are just skyrocketing right now. Right. Um, you know, but at the same time, all of the semiconductor stocks are flying. So, you know, we, we had this old age adage that, you know, it, it's happened every cycle. Right. In 2002, uh, the stocks peaked Three three months before, uh, you know, the earnings started going down, and then they recovered, you know, months before it started going up, and and you know the same thing has happened, you know, three to nine months, you know, stocks go down, like you know, nine months or three months before uh, earnings start going down, which is what happened, right? Stocks went down in early 2022, and earnings or in late 2021, and earnings started going down in mid 2022, late 2022, um, and and stocks rebounding in early. 2020 and in early 2023, late 2022, um, you know, you know, the, the the belief is basically that you know the the earnings are going to stop start improving. But right now we're in the midst of you know basically inventory hell. Um, you know, companies like UMC are at like 60% utilization. Some of these tier two foundries are even worse. Uh, 60s I've seen from some of these uh, tier two foundries in in China and and, and in Taiwan, right? Like power chip and uh, you know so, so on and so forth. Um, there's there's you know, utilization rates are bad. Inventories are flying. Um, you know, you know, Intel's, you know, saying they're going to do only $10 billion of revenue in Q1, you know, compare that to, you know, Q1 of like, you know, just last year, it was like t- almost 20 billion, right? So it's almost halving a business. It's, that's how much inventory is built up. Um, you know, days of inventory are at an all-time high and I'm including the dot-com bubble. I'm including the financial crisis, right? So days of inventory, right? Which is, uh, you know, how many how revenue versus cog, cost of goods sold is is at an all-time high ever. Uh, but, you know, stocks are flying. So, so Doug, why is that, right? Can you explain this? Okay, so I... Have been doing a lot of, and and I think this will this this uh, podcast will coincide with some work that uh, with some work I'm posting about this. But pretty much, um, stocks tend to bottom before the inventories do. But one of the things that's really important is the guidance for next quarter's uh, quarter's inventory. Something that's really important here is that um, most companies are starting to decelerate their increasing inventory, which is like. I, which is kind of, it's kind of a little, a little it like hurts your head to think about because what's happening is inventory is still increasing, but it looks like next quarter it will de- uh, increase at a slower rate than the previous quarter. And if you look back in history, that often is the quarter before bottom. And so right now, and this also coincides with almost every semiconductor company saying, "Hey, Q1, I think that's when the inventory, the the channel clears, and maybe Q2, Q1, Q2, depending on your on on the industry." And so then you look up. And then what happens is you have all like super high inventory days, but then, you know, revenue bottoms, the channel needs to start to fill up again. And then um, revenue accelerates massively. Inventory gets drawn down like 20, 30% Q over Q. Um, and so we, uh, we, we, but the, the problem is though, it's kind of happening at the same time of a recessionary environment, like the will they, won't they of Q1, Q2 this year having a recession. So people don't believe it, but semiconductor companies are really confident and uh, a lot of actually, interestingly enough, year to date, um, I, I want to say into January, at least, or the end of December, uh, 
the net positioning long short of semiconductors was overwhelmingly short semiconductors, thinking that the cycle will be longer than past, um, mostly because the up cycle was longer than the past, the down cycle will be longer than the past. I think what's going to happen is if it, if it's uh, if if the Q1 is the bottom, it's going to be exactly an um, uh, so it usually is two or three quarters, and so it's going to be three quarters uh, as a cycle. So that's the the high level overview. I know it's really complicated, but um, so but there's is, actually so if it's three level three quarters, right? So does that mean Q3 or Q? You're saying Q4 is when revenue starts accelerating, or is it Q3? Uh, I would uh, okay. So define accelerating. So I'm going to call I'm going to call the bottom is going to be quarter over quarter growth. Um, I think Q2 will grow quarter over quarter over Q1. I think that's the important thing. It, I don't think it'll happen for all the companies, but a meaningful amount of the companies it should. And I think what's really interesting here is there's kind of a first in first out uh, dynamic. So the companies that had the, the inventory cycle the first is going to have the uh, are going to step out of the inventory cycle first. Um, so that is actually PCs and gaming uh, GPUs, which are you know, um, Nvidia not very not very hated because of the AI thing, but Intel, AMD definitely look like they are. It looks like their channel is getting a lot cleaner because I'm I'm looking at their I'm looking at their inventory days right now, and you know I'll have this freaking sheet posted because I've been like living in it. But like the the net increase for for Intel in Q3 was like 16 days. And then last quarter, it was like nine days for days of inventory. And then for AMD, last quarter was 19 days increase, uh, like uh, the Q3 over Q2. This quarter, it's 16 days. So like still big increases of days days of inventory, but it looks like it's decelerating. And I think there, there's going to be, yeah, one more quarter of inventory increases. And then I think we're done. And, and if you look at some of the end customers, right? I mean, Lenovo, reported uh, earnings this morning and their inventory dropped quite a bit. So, you know, the OEMs are also sort of uh, starting to clear out, um, you know, so, so that's, that's, that's a positive sign as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's actually really interesting. Uh, a very weird dynamic that I literally just picked up on maybe two days ago was that um, the international companies are having a different inventory cycle than the United States companies because of the head because the FX headwind. So remember, if you're making a semiconductor in Japan or Europe and your currency, your cost of goods sold is in that foreign currency and you're selling it in dollars, what's happening is that your inventory will actually go down rel in a dollar term, even though on a like-for-like basis it's going up. So it's really interesting to see companies like STM, uh Renesis. Uh, I think Infineon have these guides that are actually like very tepid quarter over quarter inventory increases, but it's actually a function of FX. So that is something, uh, complete accounting nerd thing. I don't think if you're listening to this from a semiconductor perspective, you're gonna be like, I could not care less about an FX thing, but it's a, a but it's a pretty interesting dynamic. And I think that that might also help uh, the the as the dollar weakens and starts to lap some of the the gains that will also help the like at least the headline inventory numbers. So I think I think we're 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 close to the bottom here in terms of how bad it could be. And then the thing that's really interesting is um people just don't believe that it will ever get better 
Like that's my favorite thing is because every single time, every single cycle, it always v like it V's pretty hard. Like, cause if you think about it, they clean out the channel and then the, the economy improves and then you have to fill up the channel and you have to um, sell to end demand if it improves. So those two things compounded creates a, uh, a whiplash that really pulls it back. And, and it happens every single cycle. And I think it's going to happen again, but many people are like, uh, I don't know, WFE is going to be negative for 2023 and 2024. I don't think that's likely. Semiconductors are going to be negative for 2023 and 2024. Definitely 2023, but I do not think 2024 is going to be negative. Like, you know, the, the, the secular case is still alive. And I think it's a good reminder that we are going to be selling a lot more semiconductors in 2024 than we did, like as a percentage of GDP than we did in 2020 or 2015. So. Yeah, sorry. I feel like this is the this is the Doug goes off on inventory episode. Um, yeah, it's it's special. it's okay because it's um you know I, I I I put out a post earlier you know in January you know talking about days of inventory saying how we're at an all time high but you know it's 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 better you know now that the quarter sort of started to flow through we have Q1 data or Q4 data uh, I did mine before Q4 um, so you know it's it's good to it's good to have you know this this insight especially given you know. Uh, some of the comps, right? Some of the companies really started breaking down in Q3 last year. So when you look at a year-on-year basis, I know you mentioned quarter-on-quarter. Quarter. Um, when you look on year-on-year year basis, um, it's it's you know it's going to start looking pretty good in Q3 and Q4 really. Um, and and so we'll, we'll really you know be out of the cycle, if you will. Um, but but when do you think we reach you know prior peak cycle revenues, right? As an industry, um, is that is that is that 2020 really? Is that Q3, Q4? Is that Q1 next year? Um, when, when do you think we you know, hit hit numbers, you know, higher than you know what we were at in say uh, Q4 2021 or Q1 2022? Uh, for stock prices, I don't know, right? That's uh, that's uh, who knows who knows anything about that. But for revenue, I would guess I would guess some point in 2024 we're we're back at an all time high. Um, I don't know. It's everything is very dependent on um, one of my favorite things right now is it's very rare that. You can point at one single factor uh, driving the bus so intensely in the inventory cycle, and this factor happens to be Chinese inventory of of handsets. Uh, truly, I think the biggest swing factor in the entire world right now is the Chinese recovery. That that matters more about semiconductors than anything else. So, pretty much Q four of twenty twenty two was the very very chaotic. Uh, full reopening of China, meaning that they just like they switched from zero COVID to full COVID, and everyone got COVID in this like five week period essentially, like 60 70 percent of China got sick. So, during that period of time, the rate of change, like, like the economic data in that period of time is just like essentially chaotic. Like, that was probably, I mean, they're not going to publish the numbers, they did, they stopped kind of publishing. Um, it's going to be terrible. And that's pretty much what you saw in all the numbers so far of the Q4 report is everyone that reported in China said, wow, it was, we thought inventory was bad, uh, but it was actually worse. It was, it was way worse than we were expecting. Um, Everything, you know, our inventory days ticked up even more, even though we expected a burn down. But if you're paying attention here, when everyone gets COVID, zero COVID is over. And zero COVID has been this kind of this, this t- uh, headwind against Chinese, uh, against the Chinese economy for three years now. Um, if you're in the United States or the West, you've been, uh, you've definitely gotten to appreciate not wearing masks and walking around and going to concerts and, and the economic activity that is in, involved with living your normal life, right? China hasn't been doing that for three years now. Um, an anecdote is my aunt actually owns a Chinese daycare, 
that has essentially been completely useless, completely shuttered for three years. Things like that really do matter. And economic activity picking up will increase business confidence, will increase people's willingness to buy things, will, and, and importantly, will increase their willingness to buy Chinese 5G smartphones, okay? Because that really is... Um, well, well, what about like in, in the West, right? Like we've seen like uh, consumer spending has been strong and it stayed, at least in the US, like it stayed strong, yeah. uh, you know, you know, from... From basically from you know Q3 2020 all the way to now, right? Like consumer spending has not really wavered, but where the consumer spends money has wavered. So in 2020, 2021, especially, like pe- people spent tons of money on computers, on PCs, um, mm-hmm. on on Wi-Fi stuff, on um, you know, d- you know, data center demand was also really blowing up. But now as people, you know, shifted to you know, no longer being stuck at home, you know, the share of that went down and more spending went to travel and clothes um and that sort of stuff so you know my question is like how how is that is that a uh is that a big it, like concern that, that, like what 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 is you know is the share of wallet like actually good you know what if what if we you know there's a double whammy right uh between mm-hmm. you know pcs you know continue to slow even more because china pc demand is not needed right you know they're they're stuck in they're not stuck at home anymore why, why would i do that you know yes smartphones are probably more travel oriented but like you know, there's a lot of other spending, you know, restaurant spending is, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've actually thought long and hard about this because you're right. The shift from good uh, services, you know, the economy would like this long-term thesis of people of value experiences over goods, which has uh, been a reoccurring theme, at least in the United States, right? Um, and then during the pandemic, you couldn't have any experiences. So everyone preferred goods. So there's this giant bubble in, in purchasing items from collectibles like shoes and watches to uh, PCs and furniture, right? Um now, obviously, that kind of lapped, and we we saw that push back to services. But I think what happened, what the problem was, was that the run rate demand isn't like it isn't great, especially PCs and stuff like that, and smartphones. Smartphone smartphone spending until like Q four of this year, or like Q Q three of this year, wasn't that bad. Um, but on the other hand, you do have like data center doing fine, and data center obviously is a is a function of advertising and uh, business business spending. So I, I think there are there are puts and takes. The thing about that I think is a little different about China is China has been an essentially like an economic glut for three years, like where it's like you do nothing, and yes, you are on your phone, you are on your PC the entire time. But we are talking like your ability to purchase things is just shuttered because you're 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 not making money like you used to it's been it's been very brutal in terms of um total consumer spending and so i i don't know what that looks like to be honest with you i think on uh the the most pessimistic and weird uh case is for example the surveillance state in china um for for hard drives got absolutely destroyed in uh, q2 of this year uh, of 2020 sorry q2 of 2022 and uh, as the as china reopens uh hard drive demand will probably go back up because they need hard drives to have all the things uh for the surveillance but i think the business in uh the business confidence and and cloud spending is going to be a big uh big driver as well as just like uh, and, and then I want to point to maybe some specific microdata that's a little faster is um, smart, smartphone sell-through actually was very, very good in Q in the first month of the year. So I think that that maybe gives uh, confidence that that it will be better. And so while it won't, while I don't think there's going to be this like giant, hey, everyone is buying a new phone in 2023 in China, I think what's important is, is that the channel was depressed 
Um, Q4 is probably going to be the worst quarter in Chinese history's economy ever. And so the Q, so the second half lap on a better economy is going to be strong enough to absolutely wipe away all of that concern. So, um, and, and, and so, yeah, I totally agree The there's definitely gonna be more travel and services spend, but I think the net effect of the economy, just having like being positive for once would be really, really much more helpful for China and Chinese smartphone hand growth has been sluggish since like 2021. So it, it, it's just like, it's just this, it's just like, um, in the first year, yes, but after you do two or three years, there definitely is this, um, you, you just start to spend less on everything goods included as you stay at home. So, um, that's, that's my long winded answer. And to be clear, I could be, I could totally eat crow on this and could be, be completely wrong, but I think odds are, um, the, the, how bad COVID zero COVID has been for the economy. And then the explicit desire of trying to get the economy back, back to work will encourage electronic consumption. So long winded answer. So that's, that's a very interesting, um, you know, angle, the, the, the other angle, you know, the part of the market, you know, part of the market that we haven't seen roll over really in terms of, uh, you know, blooming inventories and so on and so forth. Yeah. Enterprises have cut data center spending, but like, what about, what about the cloud? Right? Like, I mean, I look at, I look at, you know, you know, software as a service earnings. I mean, I don't look at them, but you know, people tell me about them and, and I've decided to glance at them some today. And it looks like a lot of companies are, uh, you know, reporting pretty poorly, right? Like, uh, for example, Datadog, you know, saying they're going from like 80% growth to like 20, which part of it is like, you know, what's the denominator, but like also like, that's a significant slowdown. And Amazon saying, you know, I, I think they said like single digit growth in January or something like, incredibly little um so you know what's what, what's going on there why, why why yeah so on the data center side i think uh there is no reason to be bullish in the very near term but then and to push back on that a little bit for example uber was actually all on prem and they're going to actually shift to all cloud one of the bull cases is that uh cloud migration happens faster during a recession blah 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 that's a little bit of bear uh, bull hopium realistically it's going to spend it's going to slow down but that's also because the entire economy is slowing down but I think at some point here, and this is like, this is where this, this podcast takes a veer into just pure macro. We don't really know what that looks like, but, but if interest rates start to uh, not go up a ton, inflation starts to abate, I think that business confidence could resume. And then all of a sudden you're looking at in- investment once again. So yes, the SaaS companies definitely over earned kind of a bubble, but, but at the same time, I think public cloud, like infrastructure as a service will probably grow throughout the entire thing. Now, that's, a, that's an big- interesting point that I was wondering and, and thinking about actually, which is like, you know, what happens in a recession and what happens in a high rate environment, right? Uh, you know, earn, earn, cash flow is tight. So why would you, you know, th- that's one reason why you wouldn't spend on, you know, b- building servers and instead just renting them. And then the other thing is if, if you're, if rates are going up, um, you know, you, your cost of capital is higher. So why would you why would you spend capex um, when you could have that cash in the bank or you could you know not raise debt or whatever it is and instead you could rent it um, and and theoretically right Amazon's and Microsoft's and Google's cost of capital is lower than your cost of capital in almost every way right like these companies do not have to take on debt to fund this you might have to so you know rather than you taking out eight percent for your server uh, you know they they just pay it for cash um, you know maybe, maybe I don't know these are these are two thoughts I had what do what do you think about that. Um, I, I agree. And also, I, I have to say that the hyperscalers probably have the lowest cost of compute to manage um, just 
a, a like compute in the world, right? Yes, in theory, if you if you go and buy your own CPU farm, it is cheaper than leasing because of of the math difference. But they have economies of scale, and also when you start to incorporate the fact that you need headcount to manage that. That's when it start the 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 crossover becomes a little harder. And also, I did I did this piece actually like last year talking about energy costs. So as energy costs increase, um, hyperscalers are way more efficient than your average data center by like a factor of two. So actually, their their gross margin on um, and they're buying directly from the grid. They have like all these scale things. The, their gross margin in terms of energy per com- unit of compute is unmatched in the world. So that's one of the bull cases and. But to be clear, on the whole other side of this is uh, looming, looming recession. So um, Amazon right now looks like it. Like I think they guided to like low teens for for AWS. Microsoft, uh, everyone's really upset. I think about like the high twenties or something like that. It is decelerating, and you're seeing the re- you're seeing recessionary like activity in the fact that these things are decelerating. But it's going to still grow. And that that's like that's the secular part of it, where it's like, hey, we're in a recession, or maybe in a recession, I don't know, um, but it's still growing regardless. But the capex side of that is a whole different equation. I think is probably where there's the most inventory and maybe the most weakness in the semiconductor cycle is the data center guys just look like there's too much inventory against really sluggish demand, and it looks like it's just going to be very um, brutal. You one of the one of the last things uh, you know I was I was wondering about in this in this topic is like what what's the risk then right like I mean is it is it just like you know close your eyes we're good like you know sure there's a recession but you know there will be spending to to get us out of the recession I mean rates are still increasing right theoretically like we're not even in the worst part of the recession yet because rates have to start falling for that to happen and then they stay low for a while for the economy to actually bounce back. Um, you know, is, 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 is that not a risk or is, um, you know, is, is the thought that, um, you know, pe- people are going to continue to, uh, to, to this trend of, of, you know, of cutting back on PC and smartphone spend, you know, why, why doesn't that just continue? Right. Like, is, is, are there any risks to that? Right. Like, you know, why does, why would smartphones return back to 1.4 billion? Why don't they just stay at 1.2 billion for, you know, years and years to come? Right. Like, like after the global financial crisis, PC sales also stayed, you know, at a pretty low, low clip. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so that is the, that is the, the bearish doomer versus long-term, uh, bullish boomer. And, uh, (laughs) I am a (laughs) long-term bullish boomer. Okay. Like I, uh, so you're a boomer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so, oh my God, oh my God, this, this podcast is now in trouble. Um, um, so we don't upload to YouTube. We don't, we don't upload to YouTube. Uh, so, so some, Something, um, one of my old bosses, uh, and I forgot who, who, where he got this from, but like everyone every day wakes up and, tr- and dreams of a better life than they had than the year before. And I think being a long-term bear after the economy has already taken a slowdown, the stock market is already down this much. Um, when you can look to a lot of signs of life, like the economy is really, we are stepping on the brakes as hard as we can. And consumer spending is still doing really good. And like, you know, inflation is, being persistent, but but it is starting to go down. Like the the quarter over quarter, month over month, um, things are starting to slow down. And so all of a sudden, we could totally see the end of 2023 look like something like an environment where you have rates in, let's say, the mid threes, but the economy is still, or maybe it's in the low, maybe it's in the mid threes. The economy is still growing. So that implies that and, they, the rates did get cut. Well, I mean. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about, sorry, when I said rates, I mean, I mean the 10, I mean, I mean the 10 year. So, um, 
the okay, 10 year because because the 10 year is at three eight right now uh for mm-hmm, context mm-hmm. and so the 10 years impact into housing is the big thing um but but rates rate so and, and right now the market is essentially um flinching it's trying to flinch the fed they believe the market believes that there's only two more 25 bips rates rate increases before we start to cut meaning that in the second half of this year we're going to cut right that is that is what the market is implying now the market can be right or wrong that's you know i i do not know the wisdom of the market of all financial markets everywhere but there is a real there's a real chance here where we kind of get through the full cycle cuz we're we're getting very close to the end of the rate cycle by at least the market thinks so and the economy never really slows like we think it will and what happens is that maybe in real maybe in real terms for a quarter we have a we have a recession but in nominal terms we grow the entire time so and to be clear this is this is where this entire conversation becomes like a macro podcast cuz no one knows and this is like a huge debate happening everywhere at all all the time everywhere and i it's kind of out of sight of the outside of the purview of semiconductors but i really think the micro is going to overweigh the macro in this case for semiconductors there is still this long term content story that i think um people got maybe a little too excited about but if you look out if you look back we are definitely going to be having way more content per person in semiconductors in 2023 and 2024 than we did in 2018. And I think that story is not going to stop. And I think that's that's really the long-term bullish driver of uh, the, semiconductor, the semiconductor thesis is that more semiconductors is a percentage of, um, percentage of GDP because compute and data is going to take more percentage and they're pretty good businesses. So that's, that's the high level. Um, and the inventory stuff, like we are going to work through it. Like that's happened before. And it's not a coincidence that we're going through an inventory cycle at the period of time that is extremely economically sensitive. That sounds just like, I mean, that 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 is pretty much in line with history. Okay. Um, you know, you know, you, you, you say a lot about micro and content, but you know, what about the biggest content driver of all Google going bankrupt because they have to pay for our large language model for every search? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's actually a huge better. goal. Well, I know, I know, but that's like one of the most bullish drivers you got, right? Like large language models. Okay, so let's assume we go from a software, we go as a software model where you're just fetching things from Facebook onto a feed. So essentially you're just fetching a piece of information from a database in your server and posting it on the client side to asking, you know, a freaking GPU running inference on these bajillion parameter models in the cloud and then coming back. That is an order of magnitude magnitude compute more. And if we're going to insert um if we're going to insert uh larger models, not just language and every aspect of our lives, we have a lot of compute coming, right? And I think that's not that's not exactly a crazy bet. That's not like I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh man, this AI thing's a total. F-. I mean, who knows? Maybe it is a total fad. But if AI just is entered into any aspects of our lives, we're going to need a lot more semiconductors in all aspects of our lives. So, yeah, Un- unintentionally, this ended up becoming a semiconductor pumper uh, podcast, huh? Yeah, unintentionally. I, I tried to, I mean, I mean, you know, it had to be given we started off with, uh, you know, giving the doomer vibe. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm happy you're pumping your stocks, Neil. Well, <laughs> well, man, I mean, 
I don't even. Uh, no, no, no. If you, if you actually want, you know, specific stocks and names, read Mule's piece on on uh, on fabricated knowledge about this because he's going to actually uh, dive into it a bit, right? You know, we've talked about generalities, well, but every every part of the sector is not, you know, turning at the same time, right? Like there are parts that are going to be much worse on inventory. You know, they might not they might not peak, it, you know, in terms or trough until you know Q two or Q three, but then there's other parts that have already troughed. So that's yeah. that's the important thing to recognize. I really think uh, one of the spiciest conclusions is industrial because i mean dude so many people so few people listen to this podcast uh industrial industrial might be inventorying inventorying right now like as in it's it started uh inventory days increases and it isn't like stopping and i think that that would be really spicy right like the analog industrial guys have just kind of flinched the entire cycle and days of inventory is starting to increase in a way that is looking a little scary. It's looking kind of like everyone else did two quarters ago. And, you know, this automotive thing. Okay. Yeah. And, and then the, automotive another two quarters after that, right? <laughs> yeah. So automotive is really interesting to me because, okay, on one hand, no one is buying cars in China if everything is locked down. And no one is buying car. Like, we're still very under for uh, seasonally adjusted rates of cars in the United States. But um, they are the EV stuff, the EV um, subsidies in China is starting to lap, which is bad. Uh, Tesla is doing price cuts, which is bad. Uh, their you know, used car pricing is starting to go down, which is bad. I think that there is a real chance that the automotive uh, and like to be clear, still very bullish about the automotive content cycle. But um, the cycle comes for all all companies eventually. And I think that that is probably one of the spiciest places to, to watch. And I think I have a little, I've, I've some, uh, a good piece of analysis that you should look at the, of, of trying to, trying to figure out who's, who's really impacted there. Because I think that there's a real chance that we could be talking about more inventory problems in 90 days from now. So we're going to see, I don't know. In, 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 in like the in industrial. Companies. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in, okay. I mean, TXN did all-time high and TXN gets to say, oh yeah, we're building up our long-term inventory bank because like TXN gets to do that because TXN stuff has been been around since the 1980s, but so has um, almost every other industrial company. Oh, that's another good, de- interesting data point is um, AMD, you know, was not willing to say that Xilinx would grow in the second half of the year, uh, the embedded Xilinx business, uh, which is also very levered to that industrial type stuff. Uh, whereas, you know, they were happy to say data center was going to grow. Um, you know, of course, data center has Genoa and it has some Xilinx product launches as well. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a that's a good point, right? Which is, you know, hey, they they also, you know, are worried that the second half of the year is going to be a much weaker for that. So that, that part of the cycle is actually, you know, not even starting or it's starting now. Yeah. If you look at most of the companies right now, um, the Q1 guides, which are still quarter over quarter declines from Q4, um, are still implying high double digit revenue growth or something like that for some of the companies but then they they gave out their their preliminary full year guides and that's kind of uh like let's say 6 or 7% revenue growth and so what that implies is the second half fucking sucks um and i don't know how bad it's going to be no one really does right but um honestly that's probably a good piece of content i should work on jeez lots of ideas here yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and I'm going to keep berating you to do your con- your other content, but I won't I won't oh, spoil here. But yeah, uh, you know, I'll keep, yeah, I'm gonna... I'll keep berating you to do that one. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll let you we'll let you have your what is it 28th birthday this weekend or this week uh, next week 20 29th birthday on, uh, oh, 29th on Saturday birthday, next yeah. week. No, next week. Yeah. So I'm going to go out and it's still. But you know what's funny is I think I'm bringing my laptop and it, and I'm going to just not use the internet and I'm just going to write. <laughs> 
Oh, true. I mean, okay. But how do you use the internet? How do you write without chat GPT, dude? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to probably, maybe I'll use the internet. Maybe I will just, uh, I'll, I'll just make paragraphs where it's prompt chat GPT to write this paragraph uh, about XYZ. It actually really does help. Uh, I, I know you've been using it a lot in your process. I've been using it more in my process and like, wow. Some of the yeah, it's not like not like the sentences you're reading or chat GPT, but like it's 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 tremendously useful for like, hey, rephrase this. Oh, give me options. Uh, oh, that one's good. Okay, cool. Sometimes in some of the really basic explainer stuff, like like for example, it's like, what are the steps in fa- like sometimes it's like, uh, I'm like, you know, thinking about like, oh, fab, you know, subsystem, semicap, fab testing, whatever. I'm like, hey, what are all these? And it'll just do it in a list, and you're like, oh, nice, nice list. Like it's really good at like being really complete and whole like wholesome and gets you all the stuff so i i love it wholesome uh, i don't know have wholesome, you, have you yeah. seen bing, have <laughs> the, you the seen bing, bing? Stuff? she's like <laughs> bing she's is trying like, to kill, kill herself yeah. yeah um i was gonna she, say she's, uh, the, she's cutting herself yeah definitely yeah well that's the internet memer memer queen that we needed so anyways man um i think that's it for this episode but i'm sure we'll have something at ofc yeah well we're, we might do a live episode at ofc so stay tuned guys yeah, I'm excited about that, man. Uh, definitely lots of speaking of of large language models. We're gonna need we're gonna need a lot of we're gonna need a lot of interconnectivity for that. So, but until next time, thanks for thanks for listening. And uh, this is Doug from Fabricated Knowledge and Dylan, Dylan from Semi Analysis. Yeah, and uh, we're yeah nice to nice to talk to you guys. Bye.